Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, what a terrible night for a curse. Of the moon, it's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. It's going great, you say? Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything more than that. Great. Just... I, I, I wanted to bring up, uh, very briefly, uh, I had lunch at Jersey Mike's today, a sandwich from Jersey Mike's, and they say, would you like it Mike's way? Uh-huh. Like, you know what that means. Well, first of all, that. First of all, like, come on, decode it for me, guys. I don't work here. I don't know what Mike's way means. Um, but also, uh, it's it's uh, extra vinegar and oil and like salt and parmesan or something. Yeah, I think it's um, uh, it's oh, so oregano. Do, it's oregano. You, oregano. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I know what Mike's yeah, way is. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Mike's way is good. It should sort of be the default. It is. That's why they asked, "Do you want a Mike's way?" Because it has like onion, tomato, lettuce. Throw on that like. I feel like it's not a sandwich if you're not doing it Mike's way. Then, by their definition. It's too much oil is my is it my is a lot it. of oil um like vinegar great all the rest of it adds to the flavor uh oil like just makes my sandwich oily well even like the vinegar because they are generous with it yes and so your bread can get soggy very quickly so I'm just saying a explain Mike's way to me b maybe let's practice some moderation <laughs> Uh, Mark, before we get into our conversation today, which is going to be uh, talking about Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon, um, we need people's help, and we are running out of time to solicit that help. We need, well, two things, right? We need two things from people. One is we would love for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us be seen, and it feeds our enormous egos, which are insatiable. They need to have five-star reviews, or we get cranky with each other. (laughs) Um, but also, uh, we would love for you to participate in our best starter Pokemon conversation. Mark and I can only really name two Pokemon together, right? <laughs> right. Right. I got Eevee. I got Pikachu. There we go. That's it. That's all we know. When one of those is a starter. <laughs> um, so we need your help determining who is the best. And if you like, who is the worst starting Pokemon? You can email that and your reasoning to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. We've gotten some submissions already, and I love how seriously people take it, and the methods by which they are determining who is best and who is worst makes me very happy. Try to get these in probably by Sunday, let's say. Let's say Sunday at the latest. Then that's only three days if you're listening to this then the day it comes out, which of course you are. Um, so you don't have a lot of time to participate in this conversation. It's going to be great. Mark, are you ready to get into it and discuss Bloodstain? Curse of the Moon. Absolutely. Okay, so first things first, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is a sort of companion game to Bloodstained, which is a game by the Castlevania creator um, that uh, is still not out yet, but this companion game, which was a stretch goal from the Kickstarter campaign, is out. Um, but not on all platforms just yet. Although by the time that this releases, it'll probably be out on more platforms. There was a little bit of a, there were some difficulties with the rollout on every platform. 
Um, so it came out at, like on Switch and PC day one, but some of the other like the 3DS version is delayed to the 31st, which is today. Um, and uh, some other platforms are just getting it a little bit later. Um, game will cost you 10 bucks if you didn't kickstart the original um, Bloodstained. Uh, and for, I'll give it away at the top here, totally worth your 10 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Is this a prequel to Ritual of the Night? It seems like it is, seemingly, right? Like, the way it ends? So, sort of. Maybe. Okay. Because there is, you can play through the game a second time um, on uh, what's called Nightmare Mode. Where have you done this? No, no, no. You started it. Yeah. So I should say I've only played in like the regular mode. Yeah. Um, and I just beat it once with like the four characters. Right. Um, so you can play it again in nightmare mode, where your main character, where first of all you start with the other three characters, and your main character is dead or in like the demon dimension or whatever, and you're like out to rescue him. Oh, okay. So it may be a sequel to its or a prequel to itself. Um, and further playthroughs of this game may net other ways to play the game so like i think in beating the game the first time that there is still a bunch of game left in there um so let's talk about what this game is mark um so it's it's like castlevania 3 is probably the the best analog Mm -hmm. um on uh, nes so it looks and sounds an awful lot like a 8-bit nintendo game and like structurally it is exactly what you'd expect from a old school Castlevania game. Yeah, exactly. You have uh, you have your base weapon that you can use as much as you want. You collect sub weapons that you push a different button to use, and it uses up a sort of I, I don't even know what they call it, like a, your weapon meter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's like I think they just call like weapon points. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and then you you know get more weapon points by breaking open little candelabras <laughs> that are all over the place, or enemies drop them, or or whatever. Um, and so as, as you're going through this game, you, and it is, we've said Castlevania like a thousand times, but it is like exactly like that in aesthetics too, that you are fighting monsters in a castle, you get on a ghostly train at one point, um, and like every, every enemy that you fought in Castlevania, there is a non-Castlevania equivalent of <laughs> Right, in including game. those terrible Medusa heads. Here's the thing about those terrible Medusa heads. I hate them in Castlevania. In Bloodstained? Not so bad. Not so bad. And it's because they don't knock you back. There's no knockback damage or uh, like animation in this game. You get hit and your character doesn't fly back like two body lengths. Oh, only if you're playing in casual. Oh, is that true? Yes. So I've been playing in casual. Yeah, if you're, which is fine. If you're, because did you have lives either or did you have infinite lives? I had infinite lives. Okay, so yes, you're playing in casual. If you play on the regular mode, there is knockback. Oh, yes. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> it makes it way more annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, then I, I'm still on the fence about these Medusa heads. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, this is, this is a, an option that the game grants you right from the beginning, which is casual mode or veteran mode. Obviously, you went with veteran. and Veteran's I went, just like, yeah. N- like, yeah, like if you have played a lot of Castlevania games or if you're like, prepared for the punishment that these like medusa heads which i'm not this game took me forever to beat i put a lot of time into it yeah because it uh yeah i was dying left and right like getting hit by stuff and yeah the worst enemy for me this time was those little the like frogs that move super fast oh yeah the frogs you have to use the wizard for it 
<laughs> with like the um yeah with this little shield thing yeah okay so the, we're dancing around one of the, like the game's core mechanics oh which right I do think uh sets it apart from like other Castlevania games or even like the idea of a Castlevania remake um is that as you're playing through the first three levels you recruit three other characters um and your base guy is like he has a, a sword and he's got his own set of uh of sub weapons and it's like such a small difference um. The, but I like that the first character in this game has a sword and not like a, the whip that you would expect. Yeah, the second character has the. That's whip. right. The second character has the <laughs> and whip. And she's the better character to play with. She well, because she also has a higher vertical jump. Uh huh. The highest of of all of them. Um. So the 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 character that you start as his name is Zengetsu, um. And the first character that you encounter is Miriam. Uh, Miriam is is the whip wielder. Uh, she's just more athletic in general like she can slide on the ground that's right and she has like the whip which is super useful it's got she better range uh-huh. yeah um and that slide will help you access areas that uh, areas of the map that like other characters can't get to because they can't crawl which is the other fun metroid can't crawl why can't metroid crawl <laughs> that's the other fundamental difference between this game and castlevania and the old school castlevanias is it kind of incorporates the branching paths of later castlevania games into this one so there are um multiple areas you can go to in a certain level like you'll be walking and there's like a dead like skeleton that's pointing in a certain direction yeah and that seems to be the fastest way through the level but maybe you don't have the character that will let you access that part of the map then right there are alternate paths that in one playthrough you won't see everything yeah and uh, not just the right character but sometimes they need to have the right sub weapon too in order to access uh d- different areas um, such as uh, with the third character, who is, his name is Alfred. He's an old man wizard. Um, and it, so all of his sub-weapons are like spells, right? And the one that he has kind of by default is a shield that we were uh, referencing earlier, which is all these like little dots that go around him. And uh, they will protect him from uh, a swarm of like insect things that are tearing up the final level of this game. Um, but it'll also just like deal damage to those crazy frog things that Mark couldn't get away from. <laughs> um, but so like there are uh, areas where like to access a room, you have to have this shield up um, so you can walk through it. Kind of cool. Once you throw the shield up, you can switch your character to another character on the fly. And that character will still have that shield. Whoa. Did, did you not, not know, know that? Yeah. It's also true of um, Zengetsu's. He's got uh, a move that like makes him stronger. Um, it makes like kind Is of that the, like flame thing. Yeah, I didn't. I did not get what that was. It makes his it makes his sword hit. I think three times as strong as it oh. is normally. But so you can turn that on. You can activate that power and then switch over to Miriam and then whip guys with triple strength. Oh man! Yeah, that's a game changer. Uh, so uh, and then Alfred's other um sub weapons, which I think are cool. He he's got in my mind the coolest sub weapons. He's got this big like freeze ray, which just like turns enemies into. Oh ice. yeah, it, in my mind it was like a giant like ice dagger. Yeah, yeah that yeah. like froze everything. There's one like level in the game where there's lots of lava, and if yeah. you have that sub weapon equipped, you can like turn it. You can turn the lava to ice and then walk on the lava and like break it and like get to like a one up or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I use that a bunch on like boss battles. And yeah. Stuff. It's a great way to just like turn the enemy into ice and then <laughs> Alfred can just walk over there and like <laughs> smack him and then yeah. the whole thing shatters <laughs> or anyone can shatter that. But ice. he like, uh, the game is fairly balanced in that he has the least amount of health. Yes. Cause that's right. his spells are fairly powerful. Right. But I mean, for 
if you're putting him in a so each of these characters have has their own health bar and when they die you don't get to use them anymore until you get a game over and have to continue um uh should we get to the the, the last character yeah then, yeah so the last character is Giebel. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. G-E-B-E-L. Um, he's a vampire. Uh, so naturally his his attack is like he throws bats. I think they're supposed to be just like powers of the night. Okay, sure. Like so, th- it's like three yes. little like manifestations of it. He gestures dramatically and these three little bullets <laughs> fly like up in the little arc and then disappear. Um, which means that he is vulnerable to things coming at him from below. But he is well equipped to attack things above him, which no one else in this game is, except for some of Miriam's sub weapons. Um, but he can also turn into a bat and fly, you know, far distances, and also squeeze into little holes. Yeah, so that's his only like secondary ability is being able to fly into a bat. Yes. And you lose like um, one weapon point for every like second that yeah. he is transformed. Or if you uh, attack as a bat, that'll also eat up more weapon points. Yes, the thing that is nice about him then is that uh the boxes that would usually give you sub weapons for the other characters will always give you like five weapon points yeah and so if you're trying to if you're like no you're about to go into a boss battle and you just need you weapon just need points, points yeah then uh you can turn into him and then every box will give you weapon points. And so right. it's just like a, a thing of 10 weapon points. Yeah. And yeah. like the character switching thing, like not only is it cool for the different abilities um, and like the different traversal options, but it's also interesting because it does change the way that you are playing game, playing the game. You don't really want to just like pick one and go with it. Cause like Patrick said, yeah. like once you die as that character or you lose that health bar, then He's gone. You will still or play. You will still play as the other three until all four are dead, and yeah. then you lose a life. But what that means is that you might just be, end up with like Alfred, and you're like, I'm not. I'm not gonna be able to beat this boss, right? As Alfred. So what you really want to do is be like juggling characters. So and and some of the bosses, at least for me, the way I got through them was that sort of like juggling of abilities. Yes. So it's like, okay, I'm going to uh like freeze them with Alfred and then I'm going to switch over to Miriam and throw her like three daggers like special her, into the her air. Three dagger sub weapon is my favorite. And it, it's that no. sort of like juggling yeah. that gets you through uh that was the only way I could make it through some of these bosses. Yeah, and I mean yeah, it it is really neat how um the various bosses will it seems so simple where you're like, okay, I have a character, they have one move, one sub weapon and maybe something sort of special they can do like slide. Um, and then like how taking that and turning it into four characters and they all have different sub weapons that they get at different times of the game. And the game is actually pretty smart about like giving you the more appropriate sub weapon for, uh, whatever part you're about to take, uh, uh, undertake, um, that like, it feels like a fairly complex, like just fighting system. Uh, the last boss, uh, for me was a sort of fun game of like just uh popping alfred in to like use his sub weapon a bunch of times and then like switch out the other characters to like survive the onslaught as it's about to come and then back to alfred you know like farm some weapon points it all it all felt very like cool and involved and like you needed to actually figure out what you were doing and not just like have good twitchy reflexes how did you think how did you feel aesthetically about the bosses my kind of my one like feeling was that a lot of them, especially the early ones, felt 
different than the rest of the world. Like some of them are a little more oh, like yeah. tell me what you mean by that steampunky maybe. Sure. Yeah. Than I was expecting. I feel like the later ones fit into that like Castlevania fit into that like mo- mold a little bit better. Yeah. The one I'm specifically thinking of is there's the big like rich skeleton dude yeah. with like the stacks of coin. Rich and, uncle skeleton. Yes. And he, to me, he felt very much like a cosplay character and not really someone appropriate yeah. for Castlevania. That's interesting. Uh, I, we talked about this, I think on a show last week, um, but I've just been playing the Disney afternoon collection. So, and I did have the thought in my head that like, Oh, this is a DuckTales boss. <laughs> cause, Cause he's just like shuffling gold coins around or that like electric bird. Like what? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it feels I didn't less really like see a, how that fit in. Yeah, it's less like a horror movie staple and more of like just a weird thing. I in mean, a aesthetically, video game. the electric bird was probably my favorite boss because it was rain, like a rain level. I love yeah. rain. Um, in video games, like he appears in like a flash of lightning. You're on the yeah. top of this ghost ship. Yeah, it was a cool one to figure out too. Um, the uh, uh, so the the music sounds like it. I think it aesthetically gets it right. I'm not in love with any of the music tracks. In totally this. agree. Um, but like it sounds, it sounds like exactly like um, Castlevania, but just like the non-memorable Castlevania tracks, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That like they got the spirit, but not necessarily, um, you know, just like the raw talent of it or or, or whatever. Um, but so yeah, it do- it doesn't take super long to get through this thing if you're approaching it on casual, or if you're like good at these types of games i don't i'm good at these types of games you know it's yeah or i guess like super skilled because there are some people you know who it took me a while to get used to the like jump mechanic again yeah um you know it's not like mario or something mm -hmm. where you can change your direction in the air or yeah once you commit to a jump you're committed and there's like a a, like momentum to it that you have to get like Mm -hmm. there were definitely times where i found myself like jumping onto a platform but like jumping with too much momentum, so I would just die. I would just like fall off. Yeah, yeah, and no, I I would do that all the time too. Where like I start to jump, or like I'm trying to jump up onto a platform, and I'm too far, so he just like over jumps the platform entirely. And especially if I'm using like Zengetsu or Alfred or the vampire more, and then I switch over to Miriam for a second, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot she jumps a whole body higher than <laughs> right, else. right. Um, but. I mean, it's. I would totally recommend that if people uh, want to check out this game to play through it on casual mode, and then if you like that, to go back and play it again on on uh, veteran. Um, and I, like I said, I think there are like more secrets that this game has to offer. Uh, not just because all of the branching paths, but like you know, there's this nightmare mode that opens up when you beat it that allows you to play it without Zengetsu. Um, which just means, and then there's like another question mark, question mark, question mark mode. Yeah, I've seen, I don't know if that's the question mark, question mark, question mark mode, which sounds like the great ending time for a party. But uh, <laughs> all of my parties end at question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, Sometimes question mark, question mark, colon, question mark, question mark. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, other people have been playing it where they will just try to make it through using one specific character. Yeah. Which you you can do. I don't think there's any part where the game like forces. No, you no, to, no. Yeah. I think it's like a unless it's that mystery challenge. It's just a self-imposed sure. challenge that people yeah. are. Um, because that would be hard with uh, Alfred. Yeah, he cannot. He is a glass cannon. I tell you what, <laughs> he cannot take a punch. Um, but yeah. So this, I mean, this game. Uh, 
I would say borderline great, right? Especially at that price. Um, uh, plays great on the Switch. I'm trying to think of other things to say about it. I mean, Indie Creates, yeah. it just feels like they have this 8-bit, 16-bit, like, retro game down pat. Yeah, and I would love... I mean, obviously, uh, they it's a lot of time and effort and money goes into making a game like this. But, like, something about having a game that's just a, a $10 thing that you can play for a couple hours complete and then like choose to really challenge yourself with later if you want to that's perfect like that's exactly what i want out of a castlevania style game or Mega Man style game arguably even out of like a mario style platformer like it's digestible it's something i don't have to think twice about before purchasing ten dollars like have it it's fine um yeah I, and i appreciate games like that i can beat and be finished with if i want to yes right like ten dollars <laughs> ten dollars for like two hours of fun is that's that's, that's plenty a good for deal me. that's, that's a good deal yeah we saw solo this weekend that was uh 20 bucks for two hours of fun yeah so, uh, I, I yeah i enjoy i appreciate digestible games more now than like a game that is going to take me 40 60 hours like yes. that's daunting and it doesn't sound like fun to me yeah i spent more time this weekend listening to the dylan's dead heat breakers characters talk to me than i did playing bloodstained and i loved every second of playing bloodstained and the dylan's characters are only charming some of the time all right mark let's close out our, our discussion on bloodstained curse of the moon All right, we've got a little extra time here, Mark. We got uh, an email from a listener of ours, Dustin, uh, who listened to our E3 predictions episode, and he has some predictions of his own. Mark, what do you say we go through Dustin's predictions and just see what we think about them? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Dustin, thank you, by the way, for sending this in. If anyone would like to uh, email in with their E3 predictions, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. I don't know that we're going to have an opportunity to read them before e3 at this point but maybe we can do a post-mortem maybe we can do a post-mortem maybe we can see how everyone was wrong um so buckle in mark it's sort of a long email <laughs> um we're gonna go there we're broken up into bullet points here so we're going to address bullet points um first he starts with realistic e3 predictions realistic is in quotes prediction number one metroid prime trilogy this year in advance of metroid prime 4 next year uh, yeah, that that would not that wouldn't surprise me. Oops, let me ask you this: If we see Metroid Prime Trilogy, does it have the Wii controls or the GameCube controls? Because currently, Metroid Prime Trilogy is only available on Wii, and all three games have the Wii Remote and Nunchuck controls. Yeah, maybe it's its own thing. Maybe they've completely redone the controls for the Switch. Because it doesn't really make sense to have the GameCube controls either. Right. Um, so maybe it would need to be modernized. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they've completely redone it. Uh, they have like gyro aiming, but otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's played something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love that. I purchased the um, Prime trilogy on for Wii on Wii U when they started releasing Wii games digitally on Wii U. Um, and I couldn't get through any of those games because the the pointer controls are too. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. And I know my my brain would hurt just as much trying to use GameCube controllers or controls on it as well. Um, but so I think this would be a really cool thing for them to release. 
I think there's probably way more work that they would need to do to it to make it ready for Switch. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially because you also have to uprise it to HD, right? Like, you would have to. You would have to. Um, so that one feels like sort of a stretch to me. Uh, I also don't know that you really want to give people three, me- three other Metroid Prime games to play before 4 comes out. Especially because uh, it won't surprise me if 4 is not uh, not radically different, but is a is like a different take on Metroid Prime. Interesting. That isn't yeah. going to play maybe exactly like the other three. And so that's interesting. If if that's the case, I could see a an argument for doing a trilogy before that's different. Maybe, or you're just like, yeah, giving people up. right, yeah. setting yourself up for people to be angry. Next prediction: Madden 2019 comes to the Switch for the first time. Uh, I will be surprised if we get future EA Sports games on the uh, on the Switch because FIFA was sort of a dud. Uh, I think FIFA did okay um, worldwide. I think it's more just that the amount of work mm-hmm. that would go into it because all the other sports games are on Frostbite, and yeah, I don't know that Madden is still releasing like last gen versions, which they were kind of able to use for FIFA. Yeah, I mean, I, that does seem like uh, they are probably not doing last-gen versions anymore, especially because we've been hearing um, you know, just a couple weeks ago uh, a the president or no, some, someone at Sony saying that the PlayStation was entering the final phase of its life cycle, meaning we should expect a new generation in like three years or something like that. Yeah, I, I, just, don't, I, I just don't see EA in general bringing much to the Switch. Right. Uh, th- this prediction, I believe, was written before some of the uh, Pokemon stuff was announced, but let's just throw it out here. New Switch Pokemon game is a remake, but allows you to go through all of your previous generation region in a single game, uh, essentially Pokemon All-Stars. Uh, I think that a lot of people would like that. I think a lot of people would like that, too. Um, Doesn't yeah, seem to be where the rumors are pointing. But... No, that it's probably going to be that uh, yellow remake. Uh, Mario Maker 2 is out this year on Switch along with the online service. This would include the ability to make 3D land slash world style courses along with 2D side-scrolling courses. Uh, it will also come preset with a best of new 2D Mario slash Luigi games from the DS, 3DS, Wii, and Wii U versions and best of 3D land slash world courses from the 3DS and Wii U for users who are not as interested in custom courses. The only thing about Mario Maker is I've yet to see a reasonable explanation for how you turn a two-screen experience into a one-screen experience. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge with bringing that to the Switch. Uh, the thing where I, I do think there, there's a workaround is we were talking about uh, the, the Sushi Striker on um, Tuesday's episode, and you could do all of the touchscreen stuff while you are like just have the thing in front of you and then uh, play it actually like up on the TV or just you know slap Joy-Cons in and, and do it there. Sure, and there's no rule saying that in the future Nintendo can't use the Switch in that way, but previously, right. I think everything that we've seen so far from first and third parties, for the most part, there were a couple of touchscreen games only, um, or touchscreen only games, yeah. but for the most part, Nintendo has given us parody, where it's like, the sw- you can take the Switch anywhere and have the full experience. Yeah, I mean, the the only place that I will push back there is Sushi Striker, because like it does give you the option to play the, the game, which is clearly a touchscreen game, with a control stick, 
and it's just it's like a different experience. Yes, but but it's possible. It is possible. Yes, but I mean, you could still it could be possible in uh, Mario Maker as well. You're just like clicking around a stick. Forever. Absolutely, and it would yeah. be awful. <laughs> um, what do you think about uh, introducing 3D land slash world uh, style? I, I think that blows it up too much. I think it's too I don't complex. Know how, yeah. Uh, giving people creator tools in a 3D space is tough. Um, I like uh, t- to relate it to PlayStation stuff. Um, the uh, little big planet is super easy to understand, even though it has like a million, you know, people made some crazy stuff with that game. Um, but it is effectively a 2d platformer where you're able to customize and like mod nation racers Mm -hmm. uh again you still have the structure of a racing game yeah in which to like uh people are still fenced in a little bit by that yeah and 3d space is just a little bit too so i i i'm i I don't know if that fits under realistic (laughs) e3 expectations uh next smash brothers will be launched with a foundation set of versatile extensive single with a sorry uh set with a versatile extensive single player campaign so basically this is the subspace emissary is coming back uh theory uh this will be used to unlock characters and stages by completing themed set of courses uh in the style of the character's game for example in order to unlock marth you have to do turn-based strategy levels in order uh to unlock fire emblem characters uh i would love that i would love having uh subspace emissary but the levels are in the individual styles of the various franchises instead yeah. of just like, here's kind of like a not fun platformer. Right. A- anything. Cause I love the idea of the subspace emissary. Um, I like seeing a big, big dumb cinematics that jam all these characters together. And you know, like Kirby is fighting alongside Pitt and it's dumb and who cares, but I like it. Um, but yeah, it would be great to see uh, a those, fun to play version of a that. A fun to play version <laughs> of that. Whether it's, it would be weird to suddenly be in a turn-based strategy game uh, for a little bit, and then you're like, oh, now you can play as Lucina. Great. Um, but there, I think there's probably some happy medium there of, like, just make the game fun, and that'll be that. What do you think the, the likelihood of uh, a, a story mode or a campaign mode being a, a bigger part of this game? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's where I want them to put their efforts. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, it. Yeah, it's weird. Like recent examples don't really suggest that that's what they're because they, there's that uh that mode in the 3ds version that is like a, a single player thing where you're like running running around a map beating up uh guys, but it's not fun. Um, and then I I think the Wii U version like did away with that just in favor of um weird little like tournament and challenge modes. So I don't know. Uh, next next prediction. Nintendo may have killed the virtual console, but it's going to use Smash Brothers as a celebration of Nintendo's history by highlighting games from the past and releasing old games to the eShop timed along with Smash Brothers releases. This I, is That's something you mentioned, this right? This is one of my predictions, yeah. yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, oh, hey, by the way, uh, Pit is going to be introduced to the game. Here you can now download Kid Icarus, Kid Icarus. Uh, uprising and kid icarus gods and monsters whatever the game boy one was called um but i yeah i think that's that's a perfect way to drum up hype for um those games and those characters to just release them all at the same time yep um all right mark are you ready for unlikely slash crazy predictions these are my favorite already uh and thank you again dustin for sharing these with us New Pokemon game will feature a new set of roaming legendaries only available in the switch game if caught 
caught first with Pokemon Go. Love it. Give it to me. Uh, and maybe not that weird that because Go integration we think may actually be part of this. Um, next prediction, and this one has uh, sub bullet points that themselves have sub bullet points <laughs> and sub bullet points onto that. Uh, new Nintendo mobile games announced along with new peripherals. Starting with Wii Fit Mobile is released. Nintendo will revive the franchise with an app built around exercise routines, mini games, and encouraging the user to exercise, uh, tracks physical activity, all of that stuff. Um, new peripherals for that. Um, Nintendo teams up with Fitbits for data tracking and augmented reality glasses that can display instructions for fitness routines while leaving your hands free for the activity. That part, I don't agree with at all. But uh, Or even the Fitbit part, it doesn't seem necessary to me. Uh, but uh, Wii Fit Mobile, not impossible. Maybe even sort of cool. Yeah, uh, I could totally see. Yeah, it was one I've never thought of it. Now that it's out there in the universe, I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. Have it sync with your phones, fitness features, your like Apple Watches, yeah, fitness features. Um, don't call it Wii Fit. Uh, that's tough. Not like Nintendo Fit. Yeah, I, I mean that that is the one thing, right? Is that like that Wii branding? You just got to get it out of here. Like we don't believe in Wii anymore. It's gone. Super Mario Go is released on mobile. Uh, basically running around in uh your reality, but it's uh, it's an AR game, but it's Mario. Duck Hunt Returns is a mobile game using a Labo built rifle and augmented reality glasses mentioned above. Lean into these glasses. Also, I don't know that I don't know that Labo currently plays with smartphones or mobile devices. Um, you know, all some of these suggestions or predictions, I guess, have me thinking that Nintendo should release like a Nintendo Land type of minigame collection mm. on the phone because Duck Hunt probably not fun to play in like super long spurts on the phone. Yeah, but if it was just a short like NES remix type thing that I'm just like tapping, tapping. Yeah. Um, in like 20 second spurts, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, really, why not just put duck hunt on phones? Like, I mean, who 20 second spurts or like, if you want to sit and play it for 10 minutes, like it seems perfect, right? Yeah, I it guess wouldn't, it wouldn't be the most fun or like, but just like put it out there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, a track and field series returns as a mobile game. I think this is more along the lines of the uh, Wii Fit mobile. Um, so maybe there's a, a way to just take that name, the track and field. But that's also like track and field. That's not, no one's going to be like, ah, yes, the old Nintendo track and field. Um, and the final uh, crazy prediction, Mario Ninja Plumber TV show. American Ninja Warrior spinoff called the Mario Ninja Plumber. Contestants will traverse courses. Uh, in the Mario aesthetic and incorporate not only platforming elements, but enemies that they must avoid or eliminate. This one just makes too much sense. It's like uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. No, here's the pitch. It's Legends of the Hidden Temple, but it's Legends of the... Uh, Mushroom Kingdom? Oh, I was going to... Hyrule. Um, what are they called in, uh, in Breath of the Wild? Shrines. Oh, shrines. Legends of the Hidden Shrine <laughs> is what it is. Uh Thank you so much, Dustin. Those are indeed crazy predictions. I don't think any of it's going to happen. Um, but thank you for writing in. But that's what makes E3 so mm -hmm. exciting. It is. We have no idea what's going to happen. Look, we're all so hyped. All right, Mark, let's close this out.
All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, if you have any questions or would like to participate with us in any way, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. You have until Sunday to get in these uh, Pokemon predictions. Uh, and and by predictions, predictions, we they're mean... They're not predictions at all. <laughs> we need to know who the best starting Pokemon is. You can help us determine that. Maybe you're predicting who we think will be the starter of choice. That may also be. what The only Pokemon that we could name who was a starter was Pikachu, right? Is it going to be Pikachu? You can send that to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. The show is at Nincart Society. The Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on RecconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to ApeBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, I know Mark's name. I didn't have to look it up just now. (laughs) Thanks for listening.